2: It's real simple, you know. If you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. Yeah, sir. Bears fans, this is Take
4: the North with your hosts David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're gonna take the North and never give it back.
3: Welcome to the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app. I'm David Haw from Six Seventy to Score, the Mullin Haw Show. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune covers the Bears and we are talking to you days before the Bears and the Saints played down in the Superdome in New Orleans yes there is a football game this week you wouldn't know it from all the conversation Dan exhausting covering the Bears because the last thing you want to be focused on in in November when you cover an NFL team is everything but the game but everything but the game has made the most news once again at House Hall all week
2: yeah, I had a conversation with Colleen Kane on on Wednesday as we were sorting through everything that was happening on a very event-filled day. And I said it, it it just seems like we spend so much more time talking about transactions and transgressions than we do actual on-field football results that it gets a little bit redundant. It gets a little bit exhausting, as you mentioned. And it just uh, at some point you would like this organization to show you clear evidence of direction and momentum and success. And every time that you're looking for that, there seems to be something that catches your attention in a different direction and goes, oh boy, oh boy, there's another blemish. There's another embarrassment. There's another flaw. And we've got to get our arms around all of it.
3: Blemishes, embarrassments, and flaws. have been plenty of them. Let's get into those in our opening drive. It's
4: time for the opening, the, the, the opening drive.
3: Okay. So Dan, we haven't talked since the bears spoke on Wednesday addressing the latest staff Uh, move David Walker the running back coach was dismissed fired uh, for a human resource related um, decision uh, event I don't know incident I don't know how to determine it but human resources was involved Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles both spoke to the it's a second staff change obviously we've been talking about it this year in season which is not something necessarily um well, I, I was surprised they were as proud of this in terms of the way they handled it as they were, but this does not reflect well on anybody in the organization.
2: No, look, like I, I do understand where Ryan Poles is coming from in terms of his uh, want to establish a standard and a culture that is as pretty set in stone. And that when you, when you uh, wander outside those lines, that there are actual consequences for that. And, and to that end, I think it's understandable to feel like, okay, we're handling this the right way. But the problem, David, is, is that that you you just, you know, you don't want to constantly be praising uh, the, the car for having good airbags that deploy when the car crashes. Right. We've talked about that previously. And so I think you're, you're here in a situation where two members of Maddie Bufus's coaching staff have left the building in a six week span, both for what we understand are, are conduct related exits from Ellis Hall. And you say, what the heck is going on there? Now, look, like Ryan is, is OK to say. It, we could have swept this under the rug. We could have kept it quiet. We could have, you know, turned a blind eye to it and the outside world wouldn't have known about some of these things that are happening behind closed doors. And, and, and to their credit, they didn't do that. But it, it does not give you confidence um, in the, the the coach that that hired these players. It doesn't uh, give you confidence in the general manager that hired that coach that hired those coaches. And there's just, a, there, there's so much going wrong right now, David, That that when you pair that with a two and six record, And a football team that just lost by 17 points on a national stage on Sunday Night Football, you're again presented with that sobering look in the mirror that the Bears are a uh, bottom-feeding football team that can't seem to find their way up the ladder.
3: And you only feel that uh, even more so when they try to explain exactly why they believe in in the culture because when you are 2-6, and you cling to things like that, and they certainly have done that, and that's the way Matt Iriflus responded when he said this, When asked if there was a culture issue on his staff.
4: Absolutely not.
3: Absolutely not. You know, so uh, the culture uh, in our building is outstanding. Um, The guys work hard every single day. Uh, The relationship piece is there. Uh, We care about each other and uh, we're working diligently, you know, to get this thing turned. You know, we're two and two in the last two games. You know, one game was real close, had a chance at that one. And we really feel we're turning the corner um, there and we feel excited about this week. Uh, but uh, to answer your question, our culture is awesome. <laughs> I, I just don't understand why they would use the word awesome to describe the culture. And I think a lot of it. Awesome is, and you
2: know, outstanding. Both you
3: know, awesome and outstanding. And I, and I suppose that all that matters is if they were six and two, I think you'd be inclined to maybe agree. And if they were six and two, I don't think we'd be in a position to care as much because we'd be talking about the upcoming game and the playoff possibilities.
2: Yeah, there's no question about that. And the other part of this, David, as you well know, is that there's a lot of stuff that predates this regime that they have to understand. Like the agitation in the outside world and the fan base and the audience that we speak to goes back to previous instances where they were so proud of their culture. You remember the very famous end-of-season press conference where George McCaskey said he was most proud of the previous Ryan and Matt for the way they handled themselves during a six-game losing streak. And you thought, well, maybe just avoid this six game losing streak next time and cut right. that off at two. And then we could be proud of, of stopping the losing streak at two rather than six. And so it's just, you know, it's a different version of the same song. And I think that's what creates the elevated agitation uh, in the city uh, ac- across the fan base, because they've lived this before and, and they, they just, it's, it, it makes no sense to latch onto that and, and to believe in it. I, you know, I remember after that year, you know, going into 2000 Twenty or 2021, one of those seasons where I said, I'll go down to Michael's right now, and I'll buy a bunch of culture ribbons, and we can hand them out for great culture things. But the, the things that real championship teams are after in the National Football League is the Lombardi Trophy. It's the conference championship. It's the, the ability to win your division. And the Bears are so far off from that that, that, that those types of sentiments, just they just fall flat, and they appear tone-deaf, and they don't do anything for anyone.
3: It's a Bears tradition. <laughs> Trying to take credit for doing the right thing in the face of adversity more than taking or accepting the blame for doing the wrong things to put them there and that does predate this regime and this coaching staff and that may be why they're surprised or struck by the reaction to it publicly but it should be no surprise and and I think that's what's so disappointing so David Walker uh, running back coach gone Alan Williams uh, pre preceded him out the door back in September, we're told based on the questioning and the information that they're not related incidents, which I don't know if that makes anyone feel better or worse. Uh,
2: yeah, I don't know either.
3: But I, but I think that when you look at um, when you look at the big picture, uh, I, I think that you, it does, it does raise some questions because about the head coach, because all of these, decisions, is the staffing decisions are up to the head coach. So Matt Eberflus not only may get to the end of the season and have the losingest record in two seasons as a Bears coach, as any guy who's ever had his job, he'll have this on his track record as well.
2: Right. And, and look like later in that press conference, I asked him directly, David, you know, you, you're the overseer of a team that is two and six and has experienced far more off field turbulence than on field success. And how do you describe the direction of this team. And in a very football-y way, he pointed to the improvement of the defense and the fact that they're stopping the run and that they're, you know, establishing a ground game on offense. Well, and if they can just kind of win the turnover battle, everything will, will answer itself. And it, it, it was just like, well, I think you're missing some of the point here. And he seems so proud, David, of this two and two record over the last four games of October, where you're like, look, the most recent time you played, you didn't compete. You got your doors blown off by the chargers and the two teams you've beaten. One of them just had a fire sale and got rid of a bunch of their, their really good players. And the other one just fired their general manager and their head coach. So what are we doing? Like why are we celebrating some of these achievements when there's obviously uh, a some things that are, are seriously wrong. Uh, the exit of another assistant coach is just another, again, a blemish, a flaw, and whatever other adjective I used earlier, Now,
3: Commanders and Raiders are two of the teams that might be unraveling even worse than the Bears. So <laughs> I, think, I think that um, is a good point to remember. And that's why I think it was a little bit surprising to me that when Ryan Poles was asked about Matt Eberflus, why he still has confidence that he's the right coach for this team, he responded in the way he did. And this is the way that Ryan Poles responded to that question.
4: and I get the question? What I see on a, every every day where I see him address the team and I see his approach through adversity, it is stable, man. And I know in the outside world it doesn't look like that. And I know it looks like we're far away. But this dude comes in every day and just keeps chipping away. He has high integrity. The people that he brings in here, he's done the work to make sure that they're the people they're supposed to be. Again, we hold that standard. If it doesn't follow that and, and, and people aren't acting that way, they're not here. But the way that he holds, holds everything down here is incredible for how loud it is, how tough it is. I mean, this team, you could watch them. They fight. I know this past weekend wasn't great, but you can't watch that team and be like, oh, they're going to fold. Most teams fold, and they're not folding. It's been hard. It's been really hard, especially from where we started last year, trying to build this and do it the right way. What I see from him on a daily basis and how he gets his team ready on a weekly basis, to me, I see a grown man that has leadership skills to get this thing out of the hole and into where it needs to be.
3: That's a general manager supporting his head coach on November 1st Yeah, because I believe he has to support his head coach on November 1st. I don't think that He said anything that guarantees that Matt Eberflux will be back for year three. And I think that everybody uh, around the league, in Chicago, uh, everybody except for maybe close confidants of Matt Eberflux and his family would understand if Ryan Poles at the end of the season decides to go a different direction. Because, yes, two things can be true. He respects and admires the way that Matt Eberflus has handled this team and maybe gotten his team not to quit or to fold in his words. And then secondly, think that there's somebody else that is a better uh, coach for this team moving forward because you have to change something when things are this bad.
2: Well, I'm glad you mentioned the date because I checked my calendar when he said this team isn't folding. It's They haven't played a game in November yet. They've, they've played the September and October part of their slate. They're two and six. I don't think I've been around. I've been around a lot of bad football. You can trust me on that. And I don't know that I've ever been around a team that's folded in October. You know what I mean? The folding comes later when when right. all these things add up and the cumulative fatigue takes you down, and guys start making uh, you know understandable selfish decisions. With a lot of these players now are going to be faced with making uh, when you when you're trying to determine how quickly to come back from an injury and and what your priorities are going forward. Um, so I you know again I'll go down to Michael's I'll go get a, a small gold star trophy and I'll hand it to them for it'll say didn't fold in uh, September or October and I'll I'll put it there in House Hall and they can they can celebrate that. But again like there's more to this league than not folding and you have to be competitive and you have to pursue excellence and you have to do what you said you were going to do when you opened training camp and you remember Ryan Poles talking on the opening day of training camp about raising the bar and and, and setting high expectations and how great teams set high expectations and they chase those and now if we've lowered it to at two and six we're not folding then i don't know exactly what we're doing anymore and and, and so yeah again it's it, you know like my man like we just sing the same songs david and, and it's just like it, at some point this thing has to to, to go in a different direction
3: one of those answers the bears hope uh uh in terms of one of the per- person people to provide some answers montez sweat uh, comes and arrived and made his opening uh, introductory press conference and i think he made a strong first impression dan i mean he's a uh he's a very uh, charismatic guy i believe you were there you, you spoke to him just listening to what he had to say seeing the way he handled himself they're getting a professional which i think uh, You look at his numbers, 67 starts, 67 games. The guy is a professional. He's durable. And he's got availability, which is the greatest ability. What was your overall impressions before we get to the ramifications for ryan poles and maybe the mandate even what was your initial impression yeah. of
2: montez sweat my, my first impression in a rare upset was that montez sweat came and visited the media room before he really went anywhere else he had told us he hadn't even been to his locker stall yet he didn't know what jersey he was going to wear hadn't met with the equipment managers yet and so he, he stopped in pretty quickly upon arriving at house hall and, and took our questions gave some answers i think when you look at the player it's understandable like as we talked about the other day there's a guy here that that fills an obvious need you know he's a Big, long, fast, physical guy that can can help you against the run and, and hopefully harass quarterbacks on a regular basis. And so it's a good addition to a defense that needs to start playing winning football uh, in a way that that lifts the entire team to, to a new level. Now, obviously, the the subtext of all of this is how long is Montez Sweat going to be a Chicago Bear? Right now, the current contract that he holds in his back pocket expires in March and Ryan Poles has to figure out a way to make him a part of the long-term core of the Chicago Bears look like the Bears expressed confidence on Wednesday and Ryan Poles expressed confidence that he can get an extension done with Montez Sweat and we'll just wait for the next day week two weeks whatever it is to see if that gets done but if it doesn't now you're looking at a situation where if the Bears won David have to use the franchise tag to keep him here for 2024 it creates a little bit of friction. You know how players react to the franchise tag. And number two, given this organization's recent history in alienating some of their better players with the contract talks, the last thing you want to do in making a first impression on Montez Sweat is give him the idea that, oh man, like this is going to be a, a, a tug of war that, that you know, me and my agency has to has to buckle in for. So again, like until I see an official announcement come across that the Bears have reached uh, an agreement on an extension that's really really a big elephant in the room here in terms of this acquisition because the bears gave up a premium draft choice to earn the right to have Montez sweat for nine games and negotiate the right to have him for longer
3: for the second year in a row they gave up a second round draft pick for somebody who may uh may or may not be here for the long haul chase claypool certainly wasn't i don't know if you can i don't know how that affects uh, what happened with claypool how it affects your thought process on what's going to happen or or the latitude to give Ryan Poles with the Montez Sweat trade. I like this trade much better. I think he's a more proven commodity than Chase Claypool was coming from Pittsburgh. And certainly you don't have the same concerns because everything you hear uh, about Montez Sweat, the teammate, has been positive. And if you just watch the NFL, you know what kind of player he has been. He may have been the most reliable uh, defensive lineman in Washington, maybe not the most explosive, but certainly, as I said, the floor was higher than Chase Young, who might have a higher ceiling, and certainly the price was a little bit higher as well. But Dan, if Ryan Poles can't sign Montez Sweat to a long-term contract, I don't think that Matt Eberflus's job status is the only one we'll be debating. You can't do that two years in a row, and you can't make a move like this unless you have a high degree of certainty that you can pull off a contract extension, and then you've got to pull it off.
2: Well, one of the best moments in that press conference was when Mark Potash, in his very Mark Potash way, tried to explain to Montez Sweat that because of everything that you just said, David, that he was in a very... Uh, advantageous position of leverage as it comes to negotiating that next contract because the Bears cannot afford to watch him walk out that door. And so Montez Sweat can demand any price he wants right now and say, oh, yeah, you know, watch this steering contest. This is what I want. And if you don't uh, match it, I'm going to go explore the open market. And Potash told Montez Sweat, he said, you seem to have the Bears over a barrel right now, to which Montez said, (laughs) not really familiar with the terminology, (laughs) you know, and they went back and forth forth there in terms of what what we're dealing with. We went in the media room, David, and looked up the origins of over a barrel. And just so you know, it's a nautical term for when uh, a person would have, uh, drowned or near drowned and they would drape them over a battle to clear their lungs out of water and it was uh the expression meant to mean powerless or vulnerable and so uh if montez sweat does indeed have the bears over a barrel that's the imagery you can strike up in your head
3: i'm pretty sure potty knew that right (laughs) when he asked the question welcome to the midwest in chicago uh, montez sweat yeah that's uh that's quite a question to greet him with but i think that it's right because he does have leverage You wonder how much he wants to stay here or be here. Uh, You heard some rumblings before the trade that that might not be, might not have been his first choice. He has Atlanta connections. The Falcons were mentioned in trade speculation. Certainly if he hits free agency, um, that would have been a possibility. You just don't know. There's a lot we don't know about Montez Sweat. The Bears have now an opportunity to sell him on the franchise, on the city. Uh, and I don't want to say the stability of the organization, but there is none. Yeah, so that's a very difficult thing to sell somebody.
2: I, I look like I do think they have to be understanding, also that that Montez Sweat may want to take his time and feel things out and feel, uh, you know, comfortable saying, "Yeah, this is the place I want to be." Look, like we talked to him basically fresh off the plane tonight, out of the, the the SUV that they drove to House Holland, and 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 you just think to yourself, like that's a weird time to try to make a long-term commitment for your life and your career. And so you probably want to get your feet on the ground. You probably want to get settled. You probably want to learn about your coaches, your teammates, the organization, the direction at quarterback, how it feels in the bill, all those things. Like it's understandable for him to want to get a few weeks under uh, his belt unless they pay him everything he asked for and more. So it's going to be a real interesting uh, uh, saga to, to keep an eye on as they go forward.
3: The bears do have more money under the salary cap than any team in the NFL. As we sit here today, That may or may not be the case once free agency approaches. Some of that money was used, before we get to the Jalen Johnson situation, some of that money was used on Thursday to extend the contract of Andrew Billings. Big Bill. Big Bill has been a force in that uh, turnaround for the run defense, and I think he's been one of the big reasons why. So he gets a two-year contract extension, provide him some stability. It's a statement of, I I think – A pretty modest investment. Uh, Numbers, I don't think, are out yet, Dan. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it it won't be a lot of money. He wasn't signed for a lot of money in the offseason, but he certainly is one of these guys that you'd like to have around. He's a run stuffer. He's a specialist, and he does his job very well for a defense that needs, like Montez Sweat, like Andrew Billings, like DeMarcus Walker, reliable veterans who you know more times than not are going to show up and play.
2: Two years, eight and a half million dollars, six million guaranteed, according to Adam Schefter. Uh, this afternoon, as you mentioned, Andrew Billings they feel like has been a key cog in uh, helping them be very reliable and stopping the run all season. That's got to continue through the second half of the season. It's a, a modest reward for a player that's done everything that has been asked of him. Uh, it's an understandable vote of confidence in a guy that can be uh, part of your defense going forward here. Um, but no, as you mentioned, there's other holes to fill and there's other mouths to feed. And that is the game that, that Ryan Poles and his front office team are playing right now. And it's not an easy one to play because you know, there are young people with feelings and egos and confidence and everything else that, that, that factor into a lot of this. And so it's not just as easy as uh, seeing things on a spreadsheet, working things out on paper and thinking it all uh, come together. There is a chess game here.
3: Speaking of Jalen Johnson, um, with somebody who Correct. has uh, feelings and thoughts, and uh, might be confidence uh, definitely loads of confidence and candor. Uh, we like his candor. Um, so Jalen Johnson obviously spoke as well on Wednesday and talked about the whole process as well as Ryan Poles did. This has been the most transparent contract negotiation in Chicago Bears history. We know exactly what the both sides are thinking almost every step of the way. We know they met in L.A. We know that. Ryan Poles was surprised when the trade demand came. We know that Jalen Johnson thinks he's the best cornerback in the NFL. We can assume that he's asking for money that is closer to the best cornerback in the NFL than the 15th best quarterback, cornerback in the NFL. And I wonder this as we get the news about Andrew Billings signing to uh, a contract extension. If Montez Sweat is next... What is Jalen Johnson thinking about two guys getting a contract extension before he does?
2: Well, I mean, he addressed that directly on Wednesday and, and said, look, I understand the trade for Montez Sweat. It's just a trade. But if they go ahead and offer him a, a reward and a lucrative extension before they, they give one to me, yeah, I'm going to be hurt. And I'm going to feel a little bit slighted given given how long I've uh, kind of waited for for what I want. The problem with the, the Bears versus Jalen Johnson saga is we don't have any real clarity on – what the divide is and there was an attempt on wednesday by several of us in the media room to try to get ryan poles to describe what this canyon is and why why it's so hard to get a bridge across and and his explanation didn't settle me very much because really he just kept coming back to the idea that like the bears haven't offered a final number like they've made they, they, they've given out numbers and then the other side is countered and then obviously is not working out, but there's never been final numbers on either side. And so the negotiation continues to be this, you know, um, almost combative thing, right? Like that, that both sides would would probably be better off not dealing with that tension. And so it, it you know, just for me, it brings up questions on like what what are you doing in your negotiations and, and are there things you need to reexamine in terms of the methodology and the way that you communicate and the way that you, do that back and forth so that it doesn't create a situation where I think you'd agree on Tuesday, Ryan granting permission for Jalen to go seek a trade was a pretty significant development in a saga with Jalen saying like he was, you know, fairly confident he might wake up as a member of a new team. And so like when you get from, sunday in la feeling like an extension is imminent to tuesday of the player exploring the the possibility of playing elsewhere something's going wrong in the process and i think you need to examine those processes
3: and this is what ryan poles had to say when he was asked what is the deal with the financial divide
4: that's the thing we we never got to that point that's what we met in la in terms of let's close the gap and figure out where to go next because when you negotiate you just like anything else that you guys have done it's you go back and forth a couple steps so there was only a few steps no one was final does that make sense yeah i mean i guess obviously there's still i don't know what the gap is okay does that frustrate you not having clarity i guess on. it was a surprise because we were working to close the gap
2: so there had not been an offer extended is that
4: that there were offers but there was no last and final from any side <laughs> okay, so
3: there were offers, but you it made it sound like there weren't really genuine offers. It certainly wasn't the last and final best offer, right. And they were haggling like a price of a house or a car or something you see wherever at an auction. I, I think that's part of the process. So so I guess it leads us to speculate. Jalen Johnson, we'll hear from him in a moment, but it sounded like he believes that he's the best cornerback in the NFL. All quarterbacks have to have that inner confidence. And after Ryan Poles was texting his people that they thought they were within days of making a deal, Jalen Johnson's reps asked requested a trade, probably not thinking that they were going to get where they wanted to go. Wide gap between what the player thinks he's worth and what the team thinks he's worth.
2: Right. No, like we talked about it. It's not. It's not imperative that the Bears just give him a blank check and and he just gets to write whatever numbers there. But there does have to be some level of um, you know just. Cooperation when you go through these processes, and it can't all be, uh, uh, y- you know, like I'm going to get what I want, and you're not going to. Like there has to be a, a collaboration of this that that makes both sides feel comfortable about things you know look like we'll hear from jalen johnson here in a second i do think that this is a young player inexperienced in this department going through this for the first time the business side of the nfl and probably learning at every step along the way i think he'd probably acknowledge that i do appreciate his uh his his honesty and the way he approaches things and um it was interesting to hear from him on on wednesday in regards to just kind of processing his own feelings and trying to understand like how kind of wild this roller coaster has been
1: What's it like? Um, what's it like? How would I describe it? I mean, I don't know. I feel like for me, it's this whole situation is is an interesting situation because it's like you have. It's easy to take everything personal, and I think for for me, at the end of the day, Ryan has his family to feed. Ryan has people he answers to, and I feel like I have to, in a sense, respect that. And it's like if. I feel like for myself, I'm worth $30 million. Like, it's like, no, I mean my, what I view as myself is what I view as myself and how he views me is for him and what's best for this organization. So, I mean, I don't take any of it personal at the end of the day. And, also I'm not going to take back on who I know I am and what I feel like I am worth. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not asking to just change the market or break like break records. I'm not, I'm not asking for that, but I'm also, also not going to just take anything. You know, okay, well you just deem me as this, so I'm this. Like, no, I'm not, I don't just take one man's word and just put that viewpoint on myself at the same time. So, I mean, it's a balance of, being professional, being respectful to, to what his goals are and what he's trying to do and also what my goals are and what I'm trying to do. So that that's that's about it.
3: That's about it. I, I don't think they sound like they're close. Uh I, I don't think they sound like they're uh going to use the second half of the season as like uh a time to time to get together and 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 come to a common find common ground. I think, I think that Jalen Johnson just put a lot of pressure on himself to continue to play at a high level and to stay healthy. And uh, I hope that he does both, and I hope that he gets his deal. Um, but when you do bet on yourself, some people applaud it, and, and I think I understand why they do. There's a lot of risk involved because if he had a deal on the table and it was going to pay him to be the top 10 to 15 cornerback, which I think he's probably closer to than he is the best in the league, then you know he may look back at that exchange. Who knows what could happen? Uh, football is a dangerous sport, and I just wonder sometimes when these guys do pass on the security if um, if they're getting the best advice. That doesn't mean he's getting bad advice, but I do think it's worth talking about.
2: Well, Jalen insinuated during that back and forth on Wednesday, David, that some of the exploration they did on Tuesday with teams around the league gave him clarity that his number isn't unreasonable, that there are teams elsewhere in the league that would be willing to pay him closer to what he's asking than the Bears have put on the table for him. Now, Ryan Poles will counter and say, we, we never gave a final offer, so you don't know what we're willing to to, to make uh, our, our final assessment of your value add. But like that's significant because Jalen now has the confidence in himself to perform and he has the desire to walk into free agency in March and let the open market tell him what he's worth, you know? And that's that's part of why contracts are designed the way they are because players that have that freedom and they have that right. And when I asked him directly if that's kind of where he wants to head with this, just kind of smiled and said, 100%. And so be ready for this thing to uh, to make it all the way to March before there's any sort of concrete resolution. Oh,
3: boy, I can't wait. It's so much fun to talk about every step of the way. All Transactions right. Transactions into- and transgressions. Yes. The- let's get into our numbers game and make our predictions. All right, Dan, numbers package, com. Every week, it's a good one. What are a couple of numbers this week before we bring in Adam for our predictions?
2: Yeah, I got a handful of them for you. The first one is uh, – One, it's the number of Chicago Bears victories in the Superdome since they won Super Bowl 20. Obviously, that's the most iconic victory in franchise history, 46 to 10 over the New England Patriots. They have lost six times in a row in that building. Their last victory there was in 1991 with Jim Harbaugh as the quarterback and Mike Ditka as the coach. Their last trip in there was that brutal 21 to 9 playoff loss in 2020 in a game that you know was nowhere near Uh, close to that. They also had a 2017 road win over the Saints in 2005, but that one was in Baton Rouge when the Saints were displaced because of Katrina.
3: That's right. I remember that one was down in uh, LSU. Because they didn't play at the uh, Superdome because of the... Yeah, the For so some Bayou team.
2: voodoo that they've got to get out of their system this week, I think. I
3: think in 91, Tom Waddle actually caught a touchdown pass in that game. I think uh, <laughs> ESPN 1000's Tom Waddle was, uh, was starring in that game. And you mentioned Harbaugh. Can he come back? So I don't know. Is
2: he bringing all his spies with him, or no? <laughs>
3: well, they have 20 assistant coaches. They could add a few uh, little room on the The Bears payroll. could use uh, any assistant yeah. coaches
2: right now. So yeah,
3: Exactly. As long as the spies uh, don't get in the crosshairs of human resources. All right. What's another one?
2: Well, I was going to give you a Saints defensive number because I think that's going to be a big one in terms of what this team can do to uh, slow down. On the Bears, but then I looked at their last game, and it was an impressive offensive explosion. So my next number is 511. It's the total yards from scrimmage that the Saints had in last week's victory over the Colts. It was a season high. They had 350 through the air, 161 on the ground. It was Taysom Hill. It was Alvin Kamara. It was Rashid Shahid. It was Michael Thomas. It was Chris Olave. It was Derek Carr. Uh, The Bears better beyond their P's and Q's, particularly with an injury-depleted defense to keep this from getting away from them. And so that is a, a big one to uh, process.
3: I'll give you one. At 15, that's the number of sacks the Saints have. And there's only one team in the league with fewer sacks than them, and that's the Bears at 10. And it tells me that while the Saints defense is, I think, uh, has some talent on it, I, I don't think they've done a good job of getting to the quarterback, which might be uh, combined with Tyson Bajan's ability to get rid of the football quickly and anticipate some throws. Maybe things won't be as bad as you fear with Tyson Bajan in the offensive line in a hostile environment for against a defense, that doesn't necessarily have a great track record yet this season of rushing the quarterback.
2: Yeah. And so you got to find that comfort early, but it's a tough environment to play in for sure.
3: All right. Next number
2: easy transition 73.8 that's Tyson Bajan's passer rating through two starts and a relief appearance against the Vikings that includes three interceptions and obviously a a fumble loss that doesn't factor in to the rating but this is a undrafted rookie still trying to climb the staircase of of development in this league and as many encouraging things as he's shown it's those errors that that, that tend to bring down an entire team he's going to have to limit those on Sunday reduce the number of uh, you you know giveaways he has and, and continue to propel that offense forward against again a defense that is is really pretty solid. The Saints are second in the league in third down defense, allowing 32.43 conversion rate. They're going to have to be on it on the offensive side as well to have any chance of pulling off an upset.
3: That's a good one. All right, time for our predictions. Let's bring in Adam Sudzinski, studs to bring uh, us his prediction. New Orleans, Chicago, Bears, Saints, Superdome, noon on Sunday. Adam, what do you think?
0: Oh, God, I really can't wait.
3: Uh, So... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I Yeah, I, I don't know. It's – can we give the Saints uh, two points? We'll give the Bears nothing, and we'll just kind of hope for the best, huh? Yeah. No, they're not winning the game. I don't know. I don't did know. Like, you, to pick you, whatever score you, you want, they're not winning. Did you pick two to nothing? Pick two to nothing. Two to nothing. I told you I'm going to so keep picking that. safeties until someone gets a okay. safety. So I'm going to keep All picking right. it. So, <laughs> okay. no, but realistically, a realistic score, I don't know, maybe like 23 to 15. I don't think the Bears break 20. If they do, I'll, just, I'll be pleasantly surprised. If they, it, I, it, I don't think it's going to be as bad as it was last week, and we'll see what kind of impact that Montez Sweat has on the on the game, if any, on such short notice coming in. But I, you know, the Saints are just better. There's better. Every, most teams are better. So yeah, well, uh, it'll probably be a disaster, and Dan will go all <laughs> the way down to New Orleans and 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 hopefully have some fun outside of the football game. that's all it's all I got I don't know what else to say (laughs) all right Dan what do you got I do like I will say I do like the Montez sweat trade I just want to go on record with that
2: I can tell uh number one I can tell studs I won't have much fun in New Orleans because I'm flying out uh so I will not get there in time to to, to do anything fun down there um I also came back from California with a, a really bad cold here that's why you hear this in my voice this week that I sound terrible uh I do agree with studs that the Bears are the inferior team here and so I have Saints 27 Bears 17. I read you some of the things that the Saints are good at. You study them and you go, well, this team is not all that good. But then you go through and you go, well, the Packers aren't that good. And the Buccaneers aren't that good. And the Vikings aren't all that good. And the Chargers aren't all that good. (laughs) And there we are. Uh, the, The Bears are worse. You know, And that's just where we are right now, and it's going to be another loss, and Matt Iberflus is going to have to update his rolling four-game win-loss total that he judges his season on, and then it's going to be a one-and-three over the last four, and they're going to have to try to figure that out.
3: Might the
0: own 4 start rate. doesn't count. That was the preseason. That was that was their preseason. The first four yep. games
3: of the preseason. They're
2: 2-and-2. Two and two two. Yep.
3: <laughs> yeah. Might have to update his resume, too. 30-23 um, <laughs> Saints. I mean, the, the Bears aren't as close as – the last two and two or two and two record in the last four games suggest. Uh, I just don't know. I hope I'm surprised. I hope we're talking about a win on Sunday night. And, and I hope that we see Tyson Bagent light it up. So people who's got the broadcast this week, CBS. CBS has a broadcast, or is it five? I'm not
2: even sure. I, I don't know that off the top. Well,
3: whoever's in the TV booth, let's hope that they say Justin Fields should be studying Tyson Bajin after this one. Let's hope he gives him something to study. So I don't know. I I doubt that's going to be the case. I think CBS 30, does have the broadcast. Okay. What's 30, the team? 20, Saints. You got the team studs. Who's who's the broadcast I team? I don't have that in front of me. Okay. Study no problem. Information quickly. All right. Let's wrap things up with our two minute <laughs> drill. The two minute drill. The two
4: minute drill.
3: All right, Dan, so injury-wise, Tremaine Edmonds looks like a guy that you'd be hard-pressed to play on Sunday, missed practice again on Thursday, has a bad knee injury. They're being kind of mum about it. Is that the biggest injury news, or is – Jaquan Brisker's absence, uh, every bit is notable.
2: Hey, we didn't talk about that earlier in the week. That probably deserves 30 seconds here in a minute. I do think, I, you know, I spoke with Tremaine Edmonds after the game in LA and he seemed a little bit worried about uh, the state of his knee. He was obviously very, very concerned when it happened and, and felt like he dodged a worst-case scenario, uh, but also gave an indication that, who knows, like this might be a, a multiple-week thing. I think Bears fans better brace for him being out of the lineup uh, for a stretch here. Um, I think Braxton Jones, and he is still on injured reserve and hasn't been uh put back on the 53-man roster that's another one to keep tabs on because you would think when they opened that window it was with some optimism that he'd be able to get back quickly they have yet to move him over and then as you mentioned Jaquan Brisker that saga David is certainly worth keeping uh tabs on for the long haul because Jaquan Brisker has a concussion history and he suffered one a year ago in Atlanta around this time of the year that really affected him personally it really affected him emotionally he had difficulty kind of coming out of that concussion fog that he was in. And so then to have this uh, latest instance where he was checked for a concussion and cleared, but then was ill all week and then checked again, and then put back in a concussion protocol, you know, look like we've got enough information about head injuries and football over time to say, my God, like this doesn't feel great. And you better be really cautious with this because this is a uh, impressive young man who's got a lot of life ahead of him. And I would hate to see his passion for football rushing back into action with, with all the things he's dealing with, with his brain.
3: I agree. And I think that you'd sensed that as detailed as Matt Eberflus was in explaining how the illness was a side effect from the concussion and going into extreme detail that I think, Made you worry even more because of the serious nature of concussions. You can't take them lightly. Well, we'll and the fact that
2: that they was initially kind of misdiagnosed, right, or 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 inadvertently cleared, or whatever you want to say. Like that's it's all it's which all isn't problematic.
3: which isn't the Bears, right? Which is they do have an independent
2: neurologist, yes, neurologist.
3: So I think that's uh, worth pointing out and remembering. Yeah, I think that's a big concern. So uh, Jaquan Brisker, his situation and status. Tremaine Edmonds is iffy. What's your guess on Eddie Jackson this week?
2: look he's been a full participant again and I think he's kind of reached the stage where they're trying to push him to understand that like you're gonna have to play through some discomfort to get yourself back to full strength um, like I've experienced that in my own world many years back with Achilles tendonitis where you feel something grab and it, it's not problematic but your brain tells you like uh oh that doesn't feel right and so you get nervous and you get anxious and 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 you sometimes you just have to to power through that until that you know strength and and you uh, feelings of 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 comfort are back for you and so uh, hopefully this is the week that Eddie Jackson plays a full game because they certainly need him without Brisker they certainly need him without Tremaine Edmonds you, you need to have difference makers on your defense and we saw in LA what the Chargers were able to do when they were able to kind of pick apart a Bears secondary and a Bears defense that had a lot of moving parts
3: different running back coach this week do you think Deontay Foreman has more uh, snaps than Roshan Johnson how did that happen
2: Look, like, uh, Roshan is still going to be your complimentary back. He's going to be the guy that comes in to be a, a pass catcher, helps you on third down. But I think Deontay Foreman still registers as, uh, you know, your lead dog. And we'll see what Luke Getsy does with the game plan. The, the game plan got away from them in, in L.A. When you fall down 17-0 after three possessions, all of a sudden you're you're in that mode where you just, you're just you playing chase. and And those chase games are never comfortable for a coordinator. I think the Bears have to rely on that running game, and both those guys have to be part of it.
3: Following up, closing the loop for CBS in the booth this week. Thank you, Adam, is Andrew Catalan, Matt Ryan, and Tiki Barber. So you've got a three-man booth.
2: You've got a former college roommate of Ryan Poles.
3: That would be Matt, Matt Ryan. Ryan. So you figure you're going to get some good maybe get
2: insight. some honesty, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, maybe get some honesty, maybe get some propaganda, You maybe a combination of both. I, I, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it all. Can Matt Ryan, do you think, will reach a conclusion after watching Tyson Bagent say, hey, I can still do this. Where's the contract? I want to finish out the season.
2: Well, I think he if he wanted to do that, he should have been on the phone with the Minnesota Vikings last week and, and, and trying to unite with Kevin O'Connell on a system that he's uh, very familiar with in, in trying to do it. But I think Matt Ryan may have crossed into that bridge of, hey, man, you can make a lot of money sitting up in a booth and not taking any hits and not having any pressure on you. And, and this is probably a better stage uh, of life at this point.
3: No doubt about that. Anything else that we didn't cover, Dan?
2: We've covered a lot. And uh, again, like I I really do hope, David, that there comes a point in the life of this podcast that we begin to talk about on field football success instead of all of this other mumbo jumbo that goes on all the time with this organization in so many different ways. It's just like at some point we have to have a stretch of consistently successful football. The city has waited way too long. Uh, The people that cover this team have waited way too long. I don't know that it's coming this year.
3: Yeah, I know. It's very frustrating because we talk a lot about what is that? I'm going to use that on the radio, Transactions and Transgressions. There you go. Those are the, That could be the name of the next podcast. If we <laughs> have to rename it, take the North during the, for the next general manager. Transactions and Transgressions, the Bears football life.
2: There you go. And then we'll talk nothing about the stuff that goes on on the field and we'll never run out of content.
3: And we'll have plenty of content Sunday night after the Bears play the Saints. We'll come in with our Post game reaction, and then we'll be back here next week with our same regular schedule. So, for Adam Sadzinski, our producer who predicted the Bears would lose two to nothing, for Dan Wiederer from the Chicago Tribune, I'm David Hoff on the Mullen Haw Show. You can watch us on the 670 Sports YouTube page, and of course, listen to us, download, listen, and subscribe on the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast.
2: Great talk. See you out there.